Hey everyone, this is Achuta Bhava from Nightlight Astrology, and today we are going to take a look at Mercury's upcoming opposition to Neptune. Mercury is in the sign of Virgo, where it is in its own domicile and exaltation, and it's heading into an opposition with Neptune in the sign of Pisces. Uh, it's within that three-degree range. It's going to be perfecting over the weekend, so we will take a look at it on the real-time clock. And then today I have three stories and three insights. I thought we'd go from themes and lessons to stories and insights. A little different format for today. Um, playing with it, you have to tell me what you think. So before we get into it, don't forget to like and subscribe, share your comments, click on the notification bell for updates. If you want to be uh, aware of the time, those times that I go live, you can always find a transcript of my daily talks on my website, nightlightastrology.com. I'm also going to take you over to the website right now because we have two new classes that we are uh, running and they are on sale through pre-registration sale through, um, let's see here, September 12th. So once you're on the website, nightlightastrology.com, go to the courses page, scroll down, and you can check out Roots and Spears. Uh, this is a class that uh, Ashley and I are leading over the course of uh, 2023. We will be having new and full moon gatherings. And during those new and full moon gatherings, we will be looking at the astrology of the month and pairing it with different uh, herbal or plant teachers uh, and dieting different plants throughout the year. So this is a way to uh, learn more about astrology, learn more about the ins and outs of the moon cycle, and uh, really take a more, much more personal and immersive um, dive into the astrology of 2023 and also pairing that astrology with um, some plant teachers that can really help us deepen our connection to um, to the astrology. So this class uh, starts in January. You want to sign up and um, get a significant discount on the course through the early bird that's available until September 12th. We also have a six-month payment plan and tuition assistance in case you need it. So please check those out. Any, uh, any questions, you can email us, info at nightlightastrology.com. You can also check out the Masterclass series. This series is for students of astrology, probably people who already have a little bit of a background in astrology. In um, the first part of the year, in February, we'll be looking at the mysteries of the moon cycle. Uh, that is a four-part series that'll take place uh, in February and March. Uh, we are then looking at morning star, evening star, the cycles of Venus and Mercury in the spring, Zen and the art of zodiacal releasing in the summer. It's an ancient timing technique and unlocking temperament and personality in the birth chart in the fall. These are more advanced classes for people who are looking to dive deep into some very specific, slightly more advanced topics in ancient Hellenistic astrology. But if you're someone so really appropriate best for people who are either in one of my, my first year program or any other of my programs, or people who already have a little bit of a background in ancient astrology or traditional astrology. Um, but anyone's welcome to join for sure. So, uh, And again, we have a pre-registration sale until September 12th. You can purchase any one of those master classes, or you could take all four. Um, you save the most if you take all four. There's a payment plan. There's also tuition assistance. So hoping to uh, see some of you guys in the new classes coming up. And uh, let's get into our uh, let's get into Mercury's opposition to Neptune. Now I'm going to put up the real time clock, and let's dive in. I hope you guys will uh, enjoy this new format today. Too, you'll have to tell me what you think about it. So. You can see here Mercury in the sign of Virgo is within the three degree range here on Thursday, August 18th. And we're moving forward 
Friday comes within two degrees. And then by Saturday, it is rolling into that 24th degree. So this is perfecting Saturday. You'll be able to feel it into Sunday, Monday, uh, for sure. So, you know, a, a transit that really lasts until the 22nd of August, you should be feeling it already. Um, what can we expect from this um, particular um, what can we expect from this particular transit? So I have three stories for you guys and three insights that come along with them. Each one of these stories uh, happened during a Mercury opposite Neptune. So I did a deep dive into my uh, astro journal to look for you know, notable stories from my own experience of Mercury opposite Neptune and three things that I've learned about Mercury opposite Neptune from these stories or experiences. So <clears throat> hope you guys will enjoy this. Okay, so the first, <laughs> the first story is, um, I think, the funniest. A lot of people ask me, you know, was there ever like a moment at which you decided to stop really kind of disengaging from watching the news? A lot of people know on my channel I'm not the world's uh, most politically invested or involved person. And I don't really, I don't tend to watch the news. I sort of stay away from it. I honor and respect you if you feel differently or quite strongly that people should or ought to watch the news or whatever, but I don't. And here's, here's a story under a Mercury opposite Neptune transit uh, as to how that happened for me. So, uh, <laughs> okay. So one night, um, my wife and I went out on a date and my daughter, Virginia was at home. We didn't have our second child yet. And this was before I got into bhakti yoga and uh, took my monastic vows, one of which includes uh, not being intoxicated. So no drugs, alcohol, things like that. So at any rate, um, we are sitting at home or we, we went out and then we came home after going out and the babysitter who had been with our daughter um, made banana bread. And so we got home and we had a, a wife had a piece of banana bread. I had a piece of banana bread. Sitter had a piece of banana bread. Our daughter, who had we just put to bed, uh, we let have a, like a little corner, just a little tiny bite because we were just about to brush her teeth and put her to bed. So we gave her like just a little, I don't know, like a chunk. <laughs> so, all right. So um, <clears throat> fast forward to, I don't know, maybe an hour, hour and a half later. Ashley's on her computer. And she's, you know, in an, she's writing an email to someone. And, um, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm watching the news, okay? And I don't know what was on. It was on CNN. This was, I think, probably not long after Trump had been elected, you know, and it was just all drama. And I was just getting, it was like a vortex. I was just going like, just going right into it. But this was not like your world's most, uh, um, you know, like this, this was like not a sober, rational place that I was in, like considering and thinking about the information. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is so important, you know, like the, the like what kind of like the fate of the world, you know, and, and it was. And I didn't even realize how intensely I was getting absorbed into this. And I was like, you know, just like I might have I might as well have been watching like, you know, JFK's assassination or something. And it wasn't nearly that dramatic. Right. But I was like I was so intensely emotional. And I was like and I was like I called to Ashley. I was like, you have to see this like you you have to you have to come and sit down right now and see this. 
And, <laughs> and she was like, I can't. And I go, why? And she was like, I'm this, you would not believe who wrote to me. She was like, I am, I have, this is like a really, really important email that I have to write. And I was like, okay, it's strange that she's like, like equally like intensely absorbed into like writing this email. <laughs> so all of a sudden, maybe five minutes later, I'm getting more and more absorbed, like the little hypnotism, like spinning wheel. And I'm like going into it and into it. And I'm like, like why, like my eyes were like saucers. And I was like, so, so Ashley all of a sudden goes, she starts laughing hysterically, like hysterically laughing. <laughs> I, go, I go, what, like, what's the deal? Like, what are you laughing at? And she looks at me and she goes, I think I'm really, really stoned. <laughs> and I go, oh my God, yes. I was like, that's what's going on. I'm super high. And then I was like, how did this happen? How is it? How is this possible? And then it was like all of a sudden, because she, she had the realization while she was like really absorbed in this email. Like, wait a second. This email isn't like, why am I so... I'm like getting totally lost in it. Like what's going on? <laughs> you know? And then she realized that I was doing the same thing with the news. <laughs> so she put it together that somehow, you know, we were both stoned as hell. So, <laughs> so at that point we put it together. Okay. This is maybe, I don't even know how long it must've been like a year previous. Ashley and I occasionally, this was years ago occasionally we would smoke very occasional. I'm talking like maybe twice a year or something. It was pretty occasional. Once in a while we would, we would partake. And, um, in this particular occasion, we actually had some leftover and she decided to make some, uh, cannabis butter. So she put it in the refrigerator and put the lid on it and labeled it can of butter. And, um, our babysitter thought that it was just some kind of herbal butter because she knows Ashley is an herbalist and we didn't have any butter in the house and she was making banana bread with Virginia because they like to bake together. So she used all of it. <laughs> it was like the world's most potent loaf of banana bread. <laughs> so, so at any rate, she, <laughs> so we called the sitter right away, right? We called the sitter right away. And uh, we go, did you use the can of butter in the fridge? And she goes, yeah, why? And we go, that was, that's cannabis butter. And she goes, oh my God, that explains so much. I was just having a panic attack thinking there, there's something is really, really wrong with me. <laughs> so she's just freaking out. <laughs> so we're, so, I mean, this is actually really bad because, <laughs> because then we were up, we ended up being up to like five in the morning because we had a massive big piece of banana bread that was just loaded with like way too much can of butter. And, um, I mean, this was very, it was like way too potent. So, but then the next thing that happened, the next thing was like, oh my God, our daughter ate like a little chunk of it. Holy shit. You know? So, so like I, like we both like, <laughs> We both run upstairs and we go, we go next to our daughter and we both have our ears down and we're like, is she, is she breathing? Like, is, she, is she breathing? And then <laughs> Ashley looks at me and she goes, I think she's breathing. I can't tell I'm too high. I can't tell if she's breathing. So then I start, I'm just cracking up laughing because we're too stoned to tell if our daughter is breathing, which is a terrible thing to say. And then I was like, 
no, look, look at her chest. You can see it's coming up. And <laughs> we're on our hands and knees, like the night lights on. We're like, look, look, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> so anyway, turns out she was breathing. She was absolutely fine. But then every like 20 to 30 minutes, Ashley would be like, can you just go in and make sure she's breathing? So I would be like in there and I'd be like, and I'd be like looking at her and I'd be like, she's a miracle. <laughs> she looks, she looks like me. She looks like my wife. <laughs> like, and oh wait, shit, is she breathing? Wait, am I supposed to look? I'm supposed to look if she's breathing. Oh, she's right. I can't tell if her heart's beating. I have to, okay, wait, no, I got to look at her chest. <laughs> I'd be like cracking up and my wife in the other room was like, I'm serious. Just check. What are you doing? And I'm sorry. <laughs> so anyway, that was the last time that I got high, by the way. Um, and it was totally accidental. Like I said, at this point, we weren't even really getting high that often. I mean, it was very rare and we just happened to have this can of butter sitting in the fridge. Terrible. Okay. So anyway, um, that story though, was happened during a Mercury Neptune opposition. Unbeknownst to us, you know, to totally unintentional. I learned something really important. It was really funny. Okay, so I I really don't like smoking pot. I never really did. It was never really my thing. It tended to make me more anxious. Like I'm an I'm one of the more like anxious pot smokers. Unless I found out I take it by accident. At which point I realized that this guilt was like taken away. Okay. So you can imagine I realize I don't have any choice. I didn't choose to do this, right? So I might as well just go with it. Like, it's so absurd and funny that this happened that I kept laughing. And then, whereas when I was high, but I had chosen to get high, if you're, if you're following me, I was always, always dealing with anxiety. And part of it was related to guilt. I shouldn't be doing this. This is a waste of time. This is immature, blah, blah, blah. I had all these judgments and guilt and, and so on and so forth. And suddenly, because that guilt was taken away, because I hadn't chosen to do it, it just sort of happened, I found the whole thing comical and absurd and had one of the most enjoyable times I can remember um, taking marijuana. Okay, so the reason that I find all of this really funny or interesting for Mercury-Neptune opposition is because when I went back downstairs and I had had this realization after being in my office and I had been read this realization that I don't feel guilty right now. I don't feel anxious because I didn't choose it. And it's so absurd that it chose me. And it's so funny that I can't stop like laughing. And it's so it's like this joyful thing. And the guilt was sort of taken out of it. And then this insight came. You don't have to do things out of a sense of guilt and you don't have to feel guilty doing things that feel good. Now, I never smoked pot again. It was not, that was not an insight that for me was about justifying going and smoking more pot. I really had no desire to smoke more. And I ended up getting into bhakti yoga, which is a path of sobriety among other things. So I was like, well, you know, that's it. It left my life, but it was really important because when I went back downstairs and the news was on, I realized that two things were driving my decision to watch the news. First of all, I could, I could see myself as a caricature getting sucked into the news and feeling um, high unbeknownst to myself, uh, so high, so engrossed that I, it was like, it but it was just an amplification of what I was doing regularly every night watching the news on a little lesser, like a lesser level. I was getting absorbed in something thinking it was way it was so important, elevating my stress response, probably my cortisol or whatever it's called. And I was like really tripping out. And I always felt like you have to do this. 
Like there was a guilt that was driving me. And then I realized I don't like watching the news. It doesn't make me feel good. Not that I want to bury my head in the sand or anything, but like as a regular thing, like this doesn't feel good. And I also have a hard time doing things that really feel good to me because I sometimes feel guilty doing them. For example, on such a night like that, where I would watch the news, I might prefer to do something um, <clears throat> simple like play my guitar. Okay. Well, but you've got to know what's going on in the world, right? So then there'd be some guilt playing my guitar. I know I'm, this is my own like neurotic little world and I'm not suggesting anyone's has to be like mine or you should come to the same conclusions or anything. This was a Mercury opposite Neptune transit. And what I find so amazing about it is the insight that came to me that suddenly your mind can change. You can, you can have experiences uh, that happen to you, not that you think and choose every single frame of mind or perception or belief in your life, but that things happen to us that change how we see and how we think and how we perceive. And this was something that happened to me. Like I didn't, I mean, my wife made the butter a year ago or whatever, and then suddenly this happened, but it was not something in the moment. It just, it felt like this weird event that changed my perception that changed my mind, that changed the way that I think. And it gave me, it also allowed me to understand that you can make, you can, your mind can change and you don't always have to have a reason for it. It could be a feeling. A feeling could lead you to shift your thinking on something. It was a very powerful moment where I realized that there are like these shifts in perception, awareness, mind, thought, consciousness that, that, are not really rational. They're almost like transrational. And a lot of how we end up, a lot of what we end up doing in life, we say, I believe this, I think this, and here are the reasons. But most of the reason that we actually believe what we believe is because something happened to us or something happened. And that event somehow intangibly changed the way that we think or perceive. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoy that story. Number two, Under another Mercury opposite Neptune transit, I will um, I'll actually take this down for a second until it makes more sense. Uh, I happen to be um, with uh, a famous astrologer on his deathbed. He was passing under a Mercury. It was under it was a Mercury Neptune square, I believe, actually. Um, but he was passing, and um, in the room while he was passing. There were a number of people. He could still, he had had a stroke, so he could still hear, but he was, he had lost some functionality so he could like lift his hand a little bit to show that he could hear. But people in the room were not always cognizant of the fact that like he can hear everything we're saying. And people were saying how tragic it was that he wouldn't be able to finish some of his work and that his research and the riddles that it would solve for the astrological world. Um, you know, what a tragedy it was that the astrological world would never get to the answers to these things. Cause he had such a unique mind and su- such a gift to be able to unravel them. And I was really torn because I didn't necessarily disagree with anything they were saying because he was a unique mind. He had a unique capacity to think through problems in ancient astrological texts. And a lot of what we know now about Hellenistic astrology is thanks to his detective work. And so I was I could feel that lamentation. Like it is sad. We may never get to some of what he had in his mind, to what, what his capacity was to help us unsolve these or unlock these mysteries, whatever. 
But <clears throat> then I started thinking, I wonder what he's thinking hearing all of this and what kind of impact it's having on his soul as he's preparing to leave his body. Does he feel like there's something left unsaid? And then I remembered something he said in a talk. He said that it's that the best things in these textbooks are not often what's being said, but if you can be very thoughtful about what is not being said or where there's a kind of lacuna, a, 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 a hole, a, a, an omission, or almost like something doesn't quite fit up. You, you're following a pattern and you think you're deciphering something in one of these ancient texts. And then there's an exception to the rule. And it's when those things appear that you have to go into those spaces and start pulling the mystery thread. And if you keep pulling at that thread, then things start coming out. But there's always going to be that place because there's something about this ancient hermetic science that is by nature uh, concealed and then revealed, concealed and then revealed. And it's not something that ever, maybe ever comes to an end, like you ever get everything. That it, it's it's like a language that uh, is, it's a living matrix and that you, you're moving through it and you're always discovering new things, but it's so vast. This was the way he thought. And I had this appreciation for him as he was passing, thinking, it's everything you left unsaid. It's everything you weren't able to solve. It's the lacuna in your work. It's the uh, it's that unrealized space in in what you were able to accomplish with your intellect that will keep so many people continuing to pull at the mystery thread. So number two insight for me was that the rational mind, when the rational mind of Mercury could say meets the vast Neptunian uh, imaginal waters, um, you, you, there's a way in which the rational mind can go no further, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing, there's nothing more to be learned. It's, it, there, there are places that we, we reach in our lives when our logic, our rational understanding, our ability to comprehend or understand a situation just ends. We can't. And so, but I think we, so then we think, well, uh, because, you know, I can't get any further, I can't solve this riddle, or I'm coming up against the wall in my understanding, or there's something that's deeply mysterious and I can't crack the code. Um, it's, that's a good sign. Mercury Neptune has taught me that when those spaces of mystery, uh, befuddlement, feeling puzzled, overwhelmed, feeling like we can't understand or see something or perceive something clearly, that those things come up, they're, they're very magical. Often they're, they are very magical interludes in our life that, that are leading us somewhere. If we can just be content to walk in the, in the fog at times and let our minds, uh, let our minds be confounded that, that mystery keeps us pulling the thread. It's the, the, the exception to the rule. It's the, it's the, uh, blank what did the, it's a missing paragraph in the ancient text we need those things archetypally we need those places where the mind is it, it can't keep on with its logical pattern it, it has to be overwhelmed and confounded and then something appears a sign an omen a, a next step a clue and then we're off again but those interludes are so important because they suggest to us that reality is an ongoing relationship, even on the level of our 
searching and probing of the mind. That the, that the mind, when it hits its roadblocks, is not hitting um, some kind of analytical stopping point. It's meeting with a presence. And it's how we respond to those mysterious moments of uncertainty uh, that, that leads us along and starts to deepen our understanding. And then we really appreciate and need those mysterious places to be there in life. All right. Well, story number three. <clears throat> this is a really weird one. So um, I'll keep this one off until it's time again. So when I was, this was years ago, I was home on, this is a Mercury-Neptune transit. I was home on my family land in Michigan. And there was a, I was taking a walk. Uh, in the in the back 40, it was 80 acres, there's a back 40 acres, and I was taking a walk on some of the trails, and um, and I noticed um, there was a vulture moving along, and he was, he was wounded, he couldn't fly, he had a wounded wing, and he was hopping along the trail, and uh, I ended up having like two or three encounters with that wounded vulture, and um, I could tell he was dying, he couldn't get food, and so I decided to enact some kind of symbolic play. Um, I took a shovel and garbage bag and gloves, and I took my dad's truck, and I started circling like a vulture around a big, big like three square mile loop of uh, kind of like a big square, more than a circle. But I circled around this big, um, this kind of these interconnected highways. And as I was circling around it, I was just looking. I was like, I'm going to go around this big loop. It's probably like three, four miles long. And I'm going to look for roadkill. And I'm going to put the roadkill into this garbage bag. And I'm going to bring it back to the vulture and give it to it. Um, because I have a feeling that the vulture has something to say. Um, and the roadkill that I found was en route to my, it was going down a road that would have taken me toward my grandmother's house on my mom's side. They didn't, my mom's, my mom's mother didn't live far from my dad's father. So um, anyway, so I started taking the road down toward my grandmother's house and I found the roadkill that I found was a dead turtle, really big one. Well, it so happens that my mother's uh, animal, spirit animal that she's, I guess you'd call it that. I don't know, a spirit guide, an animal that has spoken to her throughout her life is the turtle. She's got collections of statues of turtles. Everyone gives her turtle gifts and so forth. So um, I started thinking about my mom and it was interesting to me that this turtle was also on the road out to my grandmother's house. And I brought it back um, and I, I put it down um, uh, for the bird. And I found it really interesting because I, I suddenly, I realized, oh, um, my grandmother's going to die. She's, it's not too long until she's going to pass. It was a, a profound moment. And then I also had this realization after I put the turtle in place and uh, near where the vulture was hanging out. And, um, and then I had this other realization <clears throat> that this is the last time that my family is going to be together that there is this this vulture on the family land uh something about this that signifies an ending for my family well 
my grandmother ended up passing away uh, not too long after. Um, and um, my mother had a near-death car accident on the road from her grandmother's back to our land uh, in, in which she had to escape. The car flipped and she had to escape out the back of the car. Um, and was, uh, she had some good injury, you know, not good injury. She had some bad injuries. Um, she, she was injured good. <laughs> so, um, uh, so at any rate, <clears throat> um, and that happened to be the very last time that my family as a group was together because after my mom's, not long after my mom's accident, um, my mom and dad decided to divorce. And that happened to be the very last time that I was at home uh, on the family land with my sister, my mother, my father, and myself. Uh, not long after that, grandma died. Not long after that, my mom had her accident. Not long after that, my parents were divorced and we were never all together again as a family. And that was a Mercury-Neptune transit. And I knew when that vulture, that wounded vulture showed up on the land and I went circling around and brought it the turtle that I happened to find on part of the loop that was leading out to my grandma's house, <clears throat> that something was gonna happen to my grandma. I was a little bit worried about my mom, but I didn't, I wasn't really registering anything potentially happening with her. And that there was, there was something about this that was signifying the death of the family. That was a Mercury-Neptune transit. And I have since learned that omens are sometimes enactments of future events. Now, I believe that intellectually. And I had plenty of experiences working with ayahuasca, plant medicines, entheogens that told me that this was true as well. You know, But this, to me, was so beautiful in that it was almost like an invitation to participate. It wasn't just an omen that appeared and spoke. <clears throat> It was an omen that shared something with me so long as I participated in its speaking, as long as I spoke or helped it enact its mythic message, you know, its archetypal message. And so I remember that signs are not just things to be read, they are things to be participated in. And that when we participate in the symbolism that's appearing, the, what it has to say can deepen. And to me, that is a deeply Mercury-Neptune kind of realization. So I hope that you have enjoyed these three insights and three stories, maybe gotten a few laughs. Um, share your own stories. I would love to hear your stories. Use the hashtag grabbed or email us, grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. Tell me what kinds of stories you experience as Mercury opposes Neptune over the weekend. If you want to email us that story rather than sharing it with the hashtag grabbed in the comment section, again, it's just grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. I'm really looking forward to hopefully taking the same kind of deep experiential journey in the upcoming Roots and Spheres course that begins in January of 2023. This is precisely the kind of thing that we want to be talking about in group, in community with people under new and full moons next year, working with plant allies, working to actually participate more intentionally with the energies and share our experiences together. Um, and so I hope that you'll consider uh, joining that class if it calls to you. Uh, any questions about anything, email us info at nightlightastrology.com. That is what I've got for today. Take it easy, everyone. Bye.